Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Flyers podcast for Wednesday, January 26th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that is at least happy Jerry Mayhew's having a couple of good games, right? I mean, he's happy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date with all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here, as always, with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. On today's show, we're going to talk about last night's Flyers versus Islanders game. Uh, We're going to talk about the new assistant coach behind the bench for the Flyers and then answer some mailbag questions. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Sports Network. So Russ, we got our wish, sort of. Um, Linus Sandin is in for his first NHL game last night uh, on the fourth line. Though, so not a ton of ice time, but we'll get into that. Uh, Jackson Cates was back down to the taxi squad. Martin Jones was in net. And so per your usual supposition, that means the Flyers would need to score more than three goals. And <laughs> I mean, um, tell me I'm wrong. I know. That was, that's honestly the first thing I thought of when, when Mike Yo in, in the postgame <laughs> presser said, you know, we got three goals in this game. You would think we would have gotten a point out of it. And all I had in the back of my head was Russ is going to say something about Martin Jones here. No, and I, you know, in the now that I did post game, I did not blame it on Martin Jones because I just expect him yeah. to give up three goals. Like, that's the way it is. And, and you know, they weren't all on him. The thing that that really gets me is, and and I have to be honest here because I have to just call what I see, if Jerry Mayhew is your best player on the ice, you're not a good team. If you have Zach McEwen out there in key situations and he gets a dumb delay a game penalty, you're not a good team. If Keith Yandel sets the record, but then he quick quickly gets a minus because he barely even tries to keep Oliver Wallstrom away from the net to screen Martin Jones. You're not a good team. Yeah, I mean, that just about sums it up. I think the the Flyers, you know, to your point, it wasn't all on Martin Jones. They were not very good at handling the Islanders on the rush when they would get a two-on-one. There was just no adequate coverage there. I think Sandheim got beat once pretty badly. And then Yandel missed on that that other goal. And, you know, the Flyers' first two goals were not exactly what you would design, right? <laughs> In terms of no, I mean, a they really caught, weird angle they caught goal from G. Sleeping. Yeah. Which is smart. And then I mean, that's off smart. The that's a, on the a other one. So. Yeah. I mean, they get, they're getting breaks and they don't know what to do with them. And mm-hmm. I'm not asking this team to lock down a. A, a lead all I'm asking them for is to keep your foot on the gas and take shots and try and take some meaningful shots on net and they couldn't do it and what you're saying on the rush was absolutely true because 
when Brock Nelson starts looking like he's putting things through his legs and feels that loose, you're not playing hard enough defense. No, and I think the second period of this game was the Flyers in summary as they are now, right? Because they got very few shots on goal. They didn't in the third period either, but almost no scoring chances in the second. They got hemmed in their defensive zone for too long and got tired out, then get caught. So it's just like a microcosm of everything that was going wrong with this team all in that second period. I mean, it really is. It's just, you know, we're at the 13 loss, consecutive loss Lucky mark 13. now. And again... Lucky 13, and they already had the 10 previously. So it's like there's a lot of losing that's gone on this season, and you could tell it has affected the guys. It's affected them in the way they get deflated when they give up a lead now. And that's mental now. Yeah, it's really unfortunate, too, because, you know, you want to give some of the younger guys or or newer guys to the lineup that are in there out of necessity something to hold on to to move them along in their development and also be able to contribute. And if they're the other players out there are also feeling lost, then they have, they have nothing to work with. And that really is, they're, they're sort of at this net zero with that right now. I, you know, maybe Jerry Mayhew feels better and, you know, he's got two goals on the season. And again, if, if, if that's what the post game is going to be about and that's what, they're going to talk about on the desk with Al Morgani, and I'm not blaming Al, but I'm just saying, on one good play because someone actually looks active on the bench, you've got a real problem here. And it's just, I don't even think the Flyers have addressed how bad this is. And I don't think they're going to address it tomorrow either. Well, we'll definitely be talking about Uh, what we're going to expect from that presser from Chuck Fletcher tomorrow later in the show. I do want to circle back around to the debut of Linus Sandin. Only seven minutes of ice time in this game. Um, He did get a little bit of power play time too in the one power Mm -hmm. play that the Flyers had. So I was glad they put him out there at least, Um, even if it was, you know, for a very brief moment for that second unit. But um, you know, I, I think he did okay out there. He made a couple of good plays, but wasn't particularly mm-hmm. noticeable. No, but I think there was a time where he and Bunneman almost got a cycle going. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, that was the first time I'd seen their fourth line in maybe like six, seven games get a cycle going. It didn't last, but just the fact that they tried to set it up told me that if you have Bunneman and, and Sandine out there and you play a few more games, you might actually have that that start to happen. Yeah, especially because they're used to playing together on the Phantoms. Yes. I mean, they're not necessarily on the same line all the time, but no. they're in a system together, so they know how to get an offensive rush going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, again, I think, unfortunately, I think they're, Mike Yo's focused on on many of the wrong things, or at least... He's trying to say that to get fans off track uh, post-game and not get players mad at him. But I think I think Mike Yo should be past the point where he's worried about what the players think. I really do. I feel like this is a, a moment where it's like, okay, I know we, we should all look for positives. But when it gets this bad, you either call players out or you make them accountable somehow. And you know what? If that means sitting some of them 
then that's what you do. It's not like, you know, again, I know it's like, well, you can't sit this guy or you can't do that. It's like, well, I don't know. I'm losing with him. I'm losing all these games with him. What is the difference? It'll be interesting to see, you know, if the Flyers get like I'm madder than Mike back. Yo. <laughs> right? I'm madder than Mike Yo. It's a, this is a problem. Yeah, it's hard. I think at a certain point, I mean, it, it's the same thing for the fans as I think maybe for some of the players yeah. is you you get numb to a certain extent to it and you don't know how to get yourself out of the funk in order to to break out of it and um, I, it just reflected in their play on the ice. It's reflected on how it looks on the bench. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's really, really hard to watch, I think, not just like from a quality of play perspective, but just because, you know, they have something better in them. And the Kings are going to be a ridiculously hard game to try and get out of this funk with because they have some big, fast, physical players. And... That's going to be hard. It's like none of this is easy. And I, I think the easiest way to try and get out of a funk like this is to do everything hard. Practice hard, play hard, and you know what? Coach hard. And if that means you got to yell at these guys sometimes, then you got to yell at these guys sometimes because nothing else has worked here. And I would be like, listen, do you want to keep losing? I mean, if, if, if losing is okay – then, yeah, let's just keep playing the way we're playing. Yeah, well, we'll be talking about that Kings game later in the week. We're going to be talking more about how the team, you know, should proceed from here coming up next. Uh, Before we do that, just once again, congratulations to Keith Yandel, 965 games. The record is his. And I just, I feel bad that he had a, a tying game and a record-breaking game, neither of which the Flyers could win with him or for him. (laughs) It's still January, so it's still time to get going on some New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, and sometimes I would say even better. Bill Bar makes it so easy to stick to your resolution. It tastes so good. Unlike other protein bars, which can sometimes be chalky or taste chemically, you want to eat healthy, but the other bars make it so boring. Bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. Your typical Bill Bar has 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and about 17 grams of protein, but there's so many flavors to choose from. You got coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, salted caramel, and so many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors, so check out Built.com as often as you can to see what's new. And while you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Once again, thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday, February 10th at 3 p.m. And Locked On NBA will be covering it live from 2 to 4 p.m. Join the crew over at Locked On NBA. You'll get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA on YouTube and turn your notifications on so you'll know when they go live. All right, Russ. So we got uh, some, I would say, surprising news 
<laughs> yesterday uh, kind of felt like it was out of thin air, but maybe you'll you'll think differently. The Flyers hired John Torchetti as a new assistant coach for the team, and I would call him a little bit of a journeyman coach, a little bit of a fix-it coach, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, you know, he has coached a whole bunch of different teams at different levels. Uh, most recently, he was in the Q Junior League at Moncton, where he had like a pretty good record, 50-13-1. and That's a 7.89 win percentage in that season right before COVID. But, you know, I think the real connection here and why he was somebody that was under consideration for one of these jobs is that he is very familiar with the Minnesota wild system. Uh, He was with the Iowa wild from 2014 to 2016. Um, He was actually the interim head coach of the Minnesota wild that took over when Mike Yo got fired. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all one incestuous Minnesota circle here. But he has spent significant amount of time in the AHL. And the main thing about him is that he seems to take over in a bunch of crisis situations. Yes. Now, there's some positives. He's a good coach. There's no question about it. But I just think the optics of this are bad because of the whole Minnesota Wild thing. Again, going back to last night's game, thinking it's a good idea with Nick Sealer in there thinking it's a good idea that Jerry Mayhew gets his one or two shots a game and still plays. You know, just all these kinds of things. It's like you're drawing from an organization that needed to get a total makeover like they did from Bill Guerin to be what they are now, not what they were then, which was eh. And so now you've brought that over here, and I don't think anybody's excited about it. And so I think that's part of the issue is... Like, right now, it's like, okay, like, is it really going to matter? I think that's the the response. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like he's a guy that you bring in when you want somebody to familiar to just ride out the season. It doesn't say he's a guy that you want to help turn things around because he's in the same kind of mindset as you're used to from a management perspective. Obviously, he knows Mike Yo um, mm-hmm. because he was an assistant coach under Yo when he was the head coach for the Wild. And th- that just feels awkward to me. <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, I guess these guys stay good friends because they understand coaching is a cyclical thing. But it just screams groupthink to me, you know, where they're not looking for a new perspective to maybe even if you're not expecting to turn the season around to try and work with individual players to maybe figure out a way to showcase the free agents you want to trade at the trade deadline to Uh figure out a way to get your prospects going, get your younger guys going to put them in the best position possible going into next season. I mean, maybe he is that guy, you know, maybe he, you know, he is a systems kind of guy. He's apparently very good at communicating them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like it, the optics of it, to your point, don't look like that's the goal here. The issue is, and again, this is PR 101. So we all knew earlier in the week that Chuck Fletcher was going to have a press conference. Mm-hmm. Chuck Fletcher knew that everybody has talked about for over a month that there wasn't an assistant. Magically now, there's an assistant just before the press conference. Like, come on. 
Like, we weren't born yesterday. This is going to help deflect whatever is possibly going to be asked at this press conference. There's a lot of season left that's going to be used. And, you know, fans are just not going to be happy with this. And it's not John's fault. It's not. And he's a good soldier for doing this. But everything screams temporary. Mm-hmm. Everything. You've yeah. got an interim coach. He's there to, to the end of the season. It was spelled out. You've got a GM who's on the edge right now. We don't know what's going to happen with that. Everything is temporary. So how do you feel about that as a fan? It's a really good question. I mean, I should also note that it seemed like from the language in the press release about the hire that Nick Schultz and Daryl Williams are going to be around till the end of the season, also seemingly temporary. Mm-hmm. So it's it just seems like you're trying to ride out the season. That's where the bar is now. I know. Like I, yeah. And, you know, I do think and we're going to be talking about this, obviously, over the next couple of weeks when the schedule lightens up around the All-Star break. And, um, you know, the Flyers don't have a ton of games in that Olympic, quote unquote, break period. Um, so we're going to have a lot of time to really dive into some aspects of this team. And, you know, there are some opportunities here to gain things. It's not going to be the playoffs. It's obviously not going to be a successful season, but it'll give us a chance to redefine what success is for this team in Mm -hmm. a way that moves us forward. And that's the only thing we can do right now. I think, you know, dwelling on what could have been is not useful. And so when the team does things like this hire with this timing And it does make the press conference seem a little, you know, suspect prior to it that's happening uh, today. So we'll be talking about it on tomorrow's show, that's for sure. But I I do think that it doesn't help define what your mission statement is as a team and as an organization right now. And and that is very off-putting for the fans. It is very off-putting. So right now... We look at things and we say, okay, coaches were fired December 6th. Mike Yo is brought in. We said on this show, hey, it'll be interesting to see who they're going to bring in as an assistant. Now fast forward to where we are in January and why now? Why did it take so long? That is a question that can't be answered with any kind of good excuse. Because even if what you're saying is valid, and I think it is, you want to kind of like look at the player development side and look at who you could rehabilitate to to trade and all that, well, then why did you let four or five weeks slip by when you fell out of the race in, in that time too? Like, why did that happen that way? It makes you think a couple of things. First off, it makes you think Chuck just went to an old standby, which we've talked through. And then it also makes you think that nobody would take the job other than somebody that Chuck could pull from the back of his Rolodex, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. For for all you children out there, a Rolodex is a paper thing that you spin around that you would type your uh, business contacts, address, and phone numbers on. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I I just feel like it doesn't show that Chuck is operating from a position of strength. No. Things are crumbling there. There's no way around it. If they win 30 out of 40, maybe everybody's jobs are safe, but what are the odds of that? Mm -hmm. Because it's not going to save the season. It's just going to save face at that point. So, like, that's your best case scenario. Your normal scenario is they go 500 the rest of the way, and at least they look better, and you hope there's things to look forward to. And then the worst case scenario is they don't get better at all. 
So what's anything Chuck could say today that would surprise you? I think he'll give an update on, well, that surprised me. Well, actually, I think it would surprise me if he gave a detailed update on Ryan Ellis. That would surprise me. Uh, It would surprise me if he talked about Claude Giroux at all. What else would surprise me? If he talked about the possibility of missing the playoffs and how he's sort of gearing up for the trade deadline and entertaining certain questions about that, maybe even with certain players, that would surprise me. That's, I think, the thing that would surprise me the most. If he has some more realistic talk and talks about, again, I think just sort of redefining the mission for this season in a lot of ways. And it's okay, I think, if he you know, frames it in terms of the bad luck and some of the misfortune, because Mm -hmm. there is, it's true. I mean, it's, you know, there's, everybody's had to deal with COVID. Everybody does deal with injuries, but these particular injuries on these particular players have been, you know, especially significant for the Flyers, I think. And so there's something to it, but I just want him to be realistic with what his mission now is. And I don't think we're going to get it, but if we do, I think that's a step closer to him keeping his job, frankly. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I just, I, I would just say that in this press conference, we do need him to pull back the curtain a little bit. But I wouldn't bet on it. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, we're going to finish up with some mailbag questions today. Uh, we had a good one from at Get Me a Molson on Twitter about Morgan Frost. Um, they said that Morgan Frost looked energetic and aggressive in the Dallas game and was noticeable. I talked about the press conference where uh, Morgan Frost had said he had had conversations with players and coaches about getting his body more involved to be productive. This person is asking... You know, since we've had more of a chance to watch his play at the AHL level before his call up, is this something that was noticeable while he was successful at Lehigh Valley or was he doing other things that have yet to translate to the NHL level? No, I think for the last month, we've noticed him playing harder on the puck, being a little more physical. He knocked down Riley Damiani. Uh, That was a big hit. I think all those things are great, but I think, unfortunately, while he's Getting more well-rounded, it's sapping some of the potential offense out of his game. And that is the the worry that you have when you get coaches that tell you you have to play the right way, and we've got to focus on defense, and we've got to do all that. And when you're a young player, and that's not natural for you to do that, it usually robs from another area. And I think that's what we're seeing. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think, you know, for his time with the Phantoms, he was more of a skill guy and a a playmaker. And that's what gave him, you know, the ability to get that call up and to try and round out his game. Sure, it does make sense to some degree. But I think you're right that it has taken a little bit from his playmaking 
uh, time out there. And I, I did think he looked good in that Dallas game and was mm-hmm. able to showcase both aspects of his game, but he hadn't very much in the in the previous several games before that. All right, next question, um, also somewhat Phantoms related from at 1965CJW on Twitter. How has Igor Zamula looked this season? Do you see him becoming a regular NHL player in two, three, or four years? I do. I think even this year, I think he should get uh, a longer extended look. I think that would be smart. I think that there's no reason to wait. I really feel like after the Islander game, when Keith Yandel breaks the record, they need to break that streak and start letting other players play and let Keith watch the game for a little while. Maybe he'll come back as a better player, but he's not hes not really helping the team right now. And I think some younger legs and some familiarity with guys like York and Zamula out there could be more beneficial at this point than just having Keith Yandel kind of going through the string. I think I'm with you there, especially, you know, if they're able to make some deals at the at the trade deadline or slightly before it, let's say they trade a Justin Braun, um, you know, that'll open up a slot on mm-hmm. the defense. And so for the remainder of the season, I think that's when you want Zamula as a regular in this lineup, or at least mostly regular, just to, to give him that shot. And then is there an under-the-radar guy to make the Flyers uh, on, on this Phantoms team right now? Yeah, I'm going to go with Mason Millman because Mason Millman is only 20 years old. And between COVID and injuries, he hasn't had a lot of playing time in Lehigh. So he's clearly going to need another season there. But he's got a lot of offensive skill. He's another guy that could work the power play and work it with with a lot of skill and a great shot. He's good defensively. He may not be the biggest guy, but he actually is a very good defender. And so there's there's a pretty good future for him, but he's got to be able to stay healthy. Mason Millman has been, you know, one of those slow burn project prospects, which is makes sense given, you know, who he is and where he was picked. And I think that he does have that potential. You just have to bring him along at the right time, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm going to say Wyatt Wiley, and this is definitely recency bias just because we talked about him on the show, uh, on Tuesday's show. But I think that he is on the verge of a real breakout here. And I think that next year he could be on the precipice of, of making it. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I, I've i liked what I've seen out of him in camps. And I think there have been moments this year. So I, I don't think that's far-fetched at all. All right. Uh, we talked about this a little bit the last segment in terms of what we expect to hear from Chuck, but is there any news on Ryan Ellis? He's not skating. And I asked around, and I don't think there's a belief he'll be back this year. Wow. This is just from, you know, the press corps. Yeah. From different people. And there's got to be a point where the, the Flyers have to just shut it down. I mean, I, I think it would be a relief to the fans. I don't feel good for Ryan Ellis. It's a lost season for him. I get it. But I just feel like the fans have just feel, felt like tortured with this whole thing and the lack of information and everything else and him seemingly not having any progress for a long time now. You can kind of see the writing on the wall. My heart just breaks for him, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. He got traded and, you know, he just loses a whole season. That just must be really rough on him. All right, last question. Who is a Flyers player they move at the deadline that would be a big surprise? I mean, I'll say Travis Konechny. I think 
Some people would be a, a, a little shocked. I think it would get a 50-50 split on that. If if I were the uh, Flyers, I would call up uh, Ottawa, who has a uh, a lot of prospects. I mean, he played for the 67s, so he's well-liked in the area. Maybe going home would be good for him. It's just there are games where, the you know, a couple of games ago, we saw a little bit of fire. Then this last game against Dallas, there was no fire for two periods and a little fire in the third period. He used to give fire on every shift. I don't know what's happened to him. I don't know what's going on with him. But at the end of the day, it's not helping the Flyers. For me, it might be Scott Lawton. Just that be- would be surprising. Just because I feel like maybe they think they could get more for him right now because mm-hmm. he's been a little bit more consistent. And if they're looking for even potentially a bigger return than Konechny, based on how things are right now, um, I think that you know, they'll think about it. All right, wrapping up with our Flyers fun thing. This one comes from our friend Armando over at Locked on Florida Panthers, who, of course, was home for Keith Yandel for quite a while. And so Armando uh, made a, a post commemorating Keith Yandel breaking the Ironman streak with a photo from the time he took a puck to the face and lost nine teeth. Yandel talked about it in his presser about like memorable moments during the his time. And he talked about this incident and hating to go to the dentist. Um, and he just like has a fear of the dentist like some of us uh, do. But the picture is uh, a little traumatizing. But at the same time, we've seen it before in hockey land. We have. I mean, I'll divulge on this show that... I have a great fear of the dentist, and really for no reason. I have no cavities. For a guy my age, it's crazy. Oh, my God, I've you're never so had, lucky. I've, I've never had work done, no crowns, no nothing, nothing pulled. Never even had, you know, uh, wisdom teeth pulled or anything oh like God. that. Oh, my God. How are you it's, alive? Like, how does that I happen? No idea. Because I've had 24 teeth pulled in my lifetime. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't relate, but that still doesn't take away my fear which is crazy, right? But it is what it is. That's so funny. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow. We're going to be talking with Sam Carcitti on his latest career endeavors, as well as what's going on with the Flyers. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. You can send in your questions via Twitter at LockdownFlyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm on Twitter at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked on Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs, and it's hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.